Are you ready for some high adventure? Coming up next on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. The Hawk Chronicles follow the adventures of Detective Kate Hawk, who went from a Baltimore police detective to intergalactic investigator, from fighting crime on the streets to crime in the stars. In the last episode of the Hawk Chronicles. Angela, what do you mean it's a totally foreign alloy? I mean that. According to ballistics, this alloy doesn't exist in the manufacturing of ammunition. The bottom line is that the slug sound may not give us much. I need you to get that ballistics report to Pierman. It looks like the bullet came from your side of the tracks. The alloy used in manufacturing the ammo is used exclusively here for our version of your Delta Force. Nelson, I need you to grab our best metal detector and meet me in the motor pool. Here we go. It's a flipping communicator. Yes, Kate. Nelson and I are here at the crime scene. We just found an earring communicator. Whoever shot Jim was possibly from your side. We understand Hawk has recovered a CM200 series. Do you have any info on model number? Over. Negative, Central. Detective Hawk and Nelson are currently en route with the device. Someone has falsified duty papers and used false credentials. The card was last used in 1947. The nurse who helped them escape. And now, episode 24, The Takedown. I think the nurse is a logical conclusion since the date coincides with the Von Longer and Parks prison escape in 1947. But, as far as I know, the section from which the gate pass was used has no medical mission. But you do have personnel records from that section, right? Central is checking the records now. Once we have that list, it should be easy to track down any female member. And lots a lot of them time warped. Most of those members would be too old to be firing a high-powered sniper rifle. Kate's right about that. It's a matter of accounting for all the former staff. Yes, but we must take into consideration that this access card went missing in 1947. It could have changed hands. Someone from that section could have passed it along to someone outside the section. Like to someone in a medical section. That would make better sense. It would be much more difficult to falsify being a nurse than to use a stolen pass. Central's medical section is one of the largest non-combat sections in the Federation. It includes not only doctors and nurses, but humanitarian aides, much like your Red Cross. But I don't think it's really going to be a problem to find out who was missing at the time of the prison escape. They were gone for 55 real-time years. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. That card could have gone to anyone, but I think Agent Hawk's assessment is where we should start. I'll make sure that Central investigates all of these possibilities. In the meantime, I'll get this communicator up to Central for the DNA test. Nelson and I'll head back. We're going to stop first at the scene again. We noticed a dirt road behind the shooter's area. Somebody may have seen something. Sounds good. I'll call you or Nelson as soon as I have anything. Oh, there is one other thing you can do for me. What's that, Kate? Could you recharge this for me? Kate, are you sure you can handle that thing? I'm an expert marksman, Pierman. Besides, what good is a laser pistol with a dead charge? I promise, once this case is closed, I'll give it back to Wilson. All right, but get it back as soon as you can. We had a lot of lines thrown into the water. A 1947 access card belonging to an admin section, the communicator, a black ops weapon, possible DNA, and a recovered bullet. Even with all of that, something about the crime scene just didn't make any sense. The road Jim was on is a four-lane highway, with an industry on one side and a residential area on the other. 
someone had to have seen the shooter's car there. And the shooter, how could someone walk across a busy four-lane highway toting a sniper's rifle and a shoulder-mounted EMP device? It just didn't make any sense, unless they didn't cross the road. So on the way back, I had Nelson drive us to the residential section behind the bush area where the shooter was. I remember seeing a dirt road there when we swept the area earlier. This is it. This dirt road has to be where the shooter parked. I'm sure Garcia and Drew checked this out. I don't see any vehicles here at the house. I'll go check their mailbox, see if they might be away. Angela, this is Kate. Kate, what do you have? I went out to the warehouse to check with the administrator. No one has inquired about the monument evidence from our case. He said that Jim did call him to arrange another inspection of the piece, but other than that, no one else made any inquiries. Nelson and I have stopped at the crime scene. I want to get a better perspective of the layout. Did you go by way of the residential area? Not at first, but once we were up there, it was obvious that the shooter used this access. Were you able to find any witnesses or tire tracks? There was no one at home when we investigated. We've been trying to reach them by phone, but no one answers. We're trying to locate a phone number right now. There's nothing in the mailbox. Their mailbox is empty, so I'm assuming that someone is picking up their mail. We did a quick canvas of the area, but no luck there. All right. I'll let you know if we find anything. Thanks, Kate. We'll do the same. Excuse me. Are you looking for residents here? Yes. I'm Detective Hawk. This is Officer Nelson. Do you know the people who live here? Sid and Bonnie. Is this about the shooting of the detective? Yes. Has the county sheriff talked to you about it? No, I live a ways from here. Sid asked me to pick up his mail and paper every day, so I just help him out. I wasn't here for the shooting when it happened. What time on Saturday did you check on his mail? I had a lot of chores to do that day, you know, honey-do list. Uh, it was a, about 6.30. It was starting to get dark then. Did you happen to notice any vehicle parked up this dirt lane? Yeah, I had to chuckle. My daughter calls them the kidnapper vans. You know, the white vans. There's so many of them around here. I really didn't think much of it because the county uses them, and so does the power company. Well, this lane runs back through where the main power lines come in. Could you make out the model? Now, all these vans look alike. I can tell you it was a full panel van, though, had no side windows, and the plates look like Maryland tags. Did you notice any graphics? Not really. Those vans come through the neighborhood all the time. I didn't think much about it, but, oh yeah, I do remember. Now, it had a uh, cracked rear panel just under the tail light. Thought it kind of odd for a maintenance vehicle to look kind of damaged like that. Thank you. Listen, here's my card, in case you think of anything else. I'll certainly give you a call, Detective Hawk. And just in case you find a van, I've got a card right here. You can call me. I'm sure I might recognize that damage. Thank you, Mr. Bates. We'll certainly get in touch with you. Oh, by the way, there's no mail for them today. We checked. Good luck, Detective. Well, this was quite a fruitful stop. Yeah, so far we know that the shooter is possibly a female. One of yours has stolen military equipment and drives a kidnapper van. So we should have this thing wrapped up by tomorrow morning. Speaking of which, we need to get a move on. I'll call Garcia when we get back to the office and see if she can track down anything with this van. Hey, sounds like a wiener. Oh, speaking of which... I don't care how good their chili dogs are, Nelson. I've got some nice leftover noodle soup waiting for me at the apartment. Wow, you just called me Nelson. That's because we're on IDF business. As soon as we get back to the office, it's rookie. It had been a long but fruitful day. When we got back to the station, I called Garcia and gave her the info on the white van and Mr. Bates' contact information. 
I updated Captain McCall, finished up some paperwork, and headed for home. But it was still nagging at me. How did the shooter know that Jim was headed to Martin State? They would have to know the exact time he would be at that intersection. That was a tight time window. The only thing that I could think of was that someone agreed to meet Jim at the airport. My best hope of finding the shooter was for Jim to remember why he headed out to Pierman's. Our lab had checked his cell and didn't find anything unusual, except that he received very few calls and made even fewer. But that was Jim. Hmm, Chardonnay and leftover noodle soup. The perfect meal. Mr. Pierman, please don't tell me that a two-headed dragon from some planet has just breached the portal and is terrorizing the inner harbor. No, Kate. It's actually a three-headed one on the Camden Yards warehouse. <laughs> oh, good. If it had been M&T Bank Stadium, then we would have had a problem. What's up? The best we can tell from your lab results on the bullet is that it comes from a non-military weapon. We think that it might be from a commercial 308 hunting rifle. As for the communicator, we didn't find any trace evidence or DNA. How about the personnel record search from 47? Nothing yet. The card was in use from late 46 to 48. The section using it has several hundred employees and a lot of turnover. So we haven't yet linked it to any suspect. There's something really bugging me about the communicator. Wilson told me that my communicator was a single-frequency radio, tuned only to Central. Why would the shooter have a radio communicator that could only communicate with Central? That's a good point. These communicators are pre-made with the standard frequency range. Some had special crystals that had a permanent frequency. We learned that, given the expansion of our coverage and offices, we needed tunable frequencies. This communicator can be reprogrammed with the right equipment. We speculate that Parks had a communicator, and the two were tuned to each other. That explains why we found it. Since Parks is out of the picture, the shooter had no use for it. She probably put it in her pocket and forgot about it. Assuming it's a she. It may be the only communicator the shooter could find. But with the link back to 1947 and the escape of Von Longer and Parks, aided by a nurse, it's a safe assumption. Any news on Jim? I'm really hoping that he can remember why he was headed to the airport. Somebody had to have called him and set him up. Detective Barnes is recovering and doing as well as we can hope for. He is, I must say, very quickly adapting to the fact that he is in an alternate universe rather well. Jim cut his teeth on the sci-fi shows of the 60s and 70s. He was somewhat of a conspiracy theorist. He was convinced that Area 51 housed alien technology. Let me assure you, Kate, like the Bermuda Triangle, we had nothing to do with that. Uh Uh-huh. And I suppose you know who does. Now, tomorrow, I want you to go to the Charles Street Police Public Call Box Stip. The blue kiosk building? Where the crazy people in costumes are always posing? Who? Exactly. Yes, I know the place. Nelson will meet you there. We'll transport you to Central and board you on our Mayo Stip. It's quicker than driving out to Martin State. After talking to Pierman, I got back to the Chardonnay and finished my cold soup. By lunch the next day, I met Nelson and we boarded the Charles Street Stip and made the transfer to the Mayo Stip. I surprised myself. As crazy as all of this was, I was doing it like I was just hopping on the light rail, commuting to work. Within 15 minutes, I was in an alternate universe in their Minnesota, standing by the bedside of my old partner. Uh, (laughs) Hoxter, (laughs) you flew in here just to see me. Uh, Your arms must be tired. (laughs) Nope. I have wings, remember? How you doing? Well, let's see. I've been shot in the head. I woke up with a bionic super eye with some sort of computer in my brain. 
in an alternate universe surrounded by aliens. Some of them rather cute, by the way. <laughs> and little memory how I got here. So I'd say uh, I'm doing pretty well. Hello, Mr. Barnes, and how do we feel today? <laughs> we feel the same way we always feel, with our fingers. <laughs> He's such a rascal. Now you behave today, or I won't let you have chocolate pudding on today's menu. I'll come back later to prop you up for lunch. Yeah, 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 okay. You'll prop me. You'll, you'll prop, you'll prop me up. Jim, are you okay? Prop me up. What's the matter? Prop me up. That's it. What is it? Jim, what are you babbling about? Kate, I know who shot me. I know who shot me. Has the mystery been solved? Does Jim really know who shot him? And can Kate get to them before the authorities? Find out in the next episode of The Hawk Chronicles, The Takedown. There are a number of things that we can all do to help stop the spread of the coronavirus and protect ourselves and our families. One is simply to clean your hands often. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, especially after you've been in a public place or after blowing your nose, coughing, or sneezing. If you don't have access to soap and water, then make sure you use a hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. And finally, avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. These are some simple things that we can all do to help protect ourselves and our families from the spread of coronavirus. Be well, everybody. <laughs>